This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Would you be okay if your church tracked you the way Facebook does? Some churches already are. This is Device and Virtue. Hello, welcome back to Device and Virtue, where we argue about the wrongs and rights of technology and faith in everyday life. I'm Chris. I'm with Adam. Hey, Adam. Hi, Chris. How are you? Doing good. Coming to you from Chicago. From Chicago, but you were just in D.C., right? I was in D.C. Uh, my you, sister's out there. I love going out there. Yeah? Out there on what? a regular basis. Any any highlights from the trip? Um, they do have those electric scooters, you know, by Bird and Lyft. Oh, Lyft, yeah. By Lyft, the car company, and Uber also do electric scooters now. Right, Not right. Not in Chicago here yet. They're littering streets across the, the nation. And they're amazing because for a dollar and 15 cents a minute, you can scan that app thing with your phone and just fly. A dollar and 15 cents a minute? Yeah, it's one dollar. Wow. And then 15 That's cents a cheaper minute. than the tollways around Which here. Which I'm not going to lie, it took me a little bit longer than it should to like actually do the math on that to figure out oh is that wait you did the math to figure out it was a dollar 15 a minute no no that's uh i like figure out like <laughs> at 15 cents a minute how long can i do this where it's without it being ridiculous 15 cents a minute sounds like uh cell phone plans from about 20 years ago but <laughs> yeah right but <laughs> these are these are super cool man they're like they're gonna take off it's the battery <laughs> they're, they're gonna uh, take I'll off see how i did that i like what you did there <laughs> you just you jump on the scooter you uh, i mean you scan the qr code with your phone you jump on it, you press the little switch on the right-hand yeah. side, and you just push off with your foot. That's called and an just, accelerator. And it just, <laughs> and just zoom. And you're, doing, you're not going, I don't know, you're not going that fast. I bet it's like 15 miles per hour max. You're supposed, they all swear on the app, you sort of check a box, are you, you're wearing a helmet. Which, yeah, right. Uh-huh. Like, and nobody, I, nobody's wearing a helmet. You're lying to the app. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I feel fine with it. Yeah. Uh, ethically, we could talk about that. Yeah, I was in Atlanta, and they had those scooters. They were yeah. scooting everywhere. I've it been, did look like a lot of fun, and a lot of people were kind of enjoying. So many cities have them now. I was around. in Nashville. I did it in Nashville. I was in Pittsburgh uh, this uh, recently. I did it there. Um, was it all the same app, or was it like multiple no, different, different companies, companies? Most places. Also, Lime. I've seen out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one called like Jump. So yeah, I've tried them out. I'm digging them. We need them in Chicago. All right. Yeah, I haven't seen them in Chicago yet. We have we have the bikes, but we don't have the scooters yet. So, so we'll get them. Maybe they'll we'll be coming them. to Chicago next summer. Well, I would love to talk about we. You know, we should talk about that sometime. How those things are transforming cities, electric scooters. Where are scooters taking us? I can see it now. <laughs> but you've already kicked us off with a new topic, and so I love to hear about how you got us on this. Yeah, What's up? yeah. So I recently uh, met a couple reps from a church data firm. And I was talking to them and they were kind of telling me the story of how their their data firm started. So essentially the way I think about what they do is it's like big data for small churches or large churches. Um, and so they were telling me that about 25 years ago, um, there were two pastors and they were working at a church of about a thousand and they suddenly found like every year they were baptizing like 500 people a year. But after four wow. or five years, um, they found that their attendance was still a thousand, and the math wasn't adding up. 
Okay, yeah, right, right. You would so, think you more. Yeah, they're like wondering where are these people going? And so if if you run in sort of these church circles, pastors talk about this idea called closing the back door. Hmm. And uh, so new people walk in the front doors of a church, but after a while, they might quietly disappear. They might go somewhere else, or they might just drop sure, out sure. altogether. And so pastors are sort of asking this question, like, how do we close the back door? And so in the middle of the 90s tech dot com boom, these two pastors at this church decided to start a software company that would help them do just that, to close the back door. And <laughs> so a bunch of locks. <laughs> with, a bunch, with a bunch of locks, a bunch of security measures. Right. <laughs> they just um, chain people to the back. No, a software company. Right. Okay. <laughs> and so when I use this term closing the back door, these uh these company reps like nodded, knowing kind of what I was talking about when I used that phrase. Um, and so as I thought about it, it's like they want to like keep track of the 99 sheep and also go after the one that get, gets lost, right? Yeah, sure. And it just raised all sorts of questions for me. Uh, so wait, about, what's, oh, no, yeah, what's the software? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's like this, it's this data tracking software, right? So they are tracking uh, people's attendance on a Sunday. They're tracking people attending small groups or um, you know, mid-size events on a Wednesday or youth group. Um, and they're tracking it on sort of a person-by-person basis and they're connecting like family units together. So this person is married to that person and they have these 2.5 kids. Um, and you know, this person's single over here and maybe they're in this person's small group and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's like sort of a church database or something. Yeah, so it's it's a glorified database, but it's really interactive and they have an app that church leaders and staff can use to you know track attendance to various events or whatever. And they're also able to like then tell, okay, has this person's attendance dropped off or has their giving dropped off? Are they serving somewhere? So they're kind of tracking um, these different areas of church life and where people are attending, where they're not attending. And they're able to like kind of do that, closing the back door by identifying or, you know, identifying triggers of when people are, you know, their attendance is starting to drift away. Oh, I see. Right, right. Right. So, you know, people are walking in in the doors or they're going to a, a home somewhere and they're, but their, their movements, their activity is being tracked. And, you know, it even extends to like the children's uh, church activities the sunday school activities like yeah like or if you check into the nursery yeah, you check your kids in and that's like a security measure right 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 so they're but they're doing it at all kind of levels uh of the church life yeah like my i mean my church has like a software like this like it's you know it's a web thing yeah um they have apps and you're i mean you're doing all sorts of that kind of stuff right, right. Yeah, i know that like, they have the families linked up um, it's like the next gen. It feels sort of like the next generation of you know the old church directory or something, where you right, have right. the photos and you flip through and you have families, but it's actually doing data. Right. So like what? And churches have been using sort of Excel spreadsheets and these sort of databases right. for a long time, right? To kind of keep track of where people are at, how many people are attending, and all these questions that they have about you know um, 
what's going on in their church and who's there. But like, just like everything these days, it's getting appified. It's turning into a platform. Right, right. It's turning into like a more powerful thing. So like, how did you get, how did you get talking to these guys? Like what you just were, you were talking to the guys that were running this company or like were part of the, or I'm sorry, were part of this company. Yeah, they were, they were reps, uh, kind of doing work on the sales side. I met them and talked to them at a, uh, a conference. Oh, okay. Right. right. And we were, I, I just got to chat cause I'm super curious about what they do. I'm right. obviously interested in this area and yeah, we chatted for like a half hour in between, or during a session, actually, and they, yeah, we just, I, I was hearing about what's what's coming down the pike for them. Do you hear that, folks? During a session, he's the guy that goes to the Christian conference and skips the session. I mean, we all. I was totally. I was. I was gaining a lot of uh, benefit from <laughs> from being there in between or during sessions. No, right. So. But to like, you're talking to these guys. They're telling you about how it's running. Yeah, like, what are your general? Impressions. Why is this not just a church directory? Yeah. So one of the really interesting things for me was the way that they defined sort of what they're tracking. Um, so they, they kind of broke it down into, into four categories. Connected, attending, serving, and giving. Connected, attending, serving, or giving. Right. So people are connected they've just like signed up and their their name is in the database they're attending meaning we've seen them repeatedly coming to events or services serving means they're actually involved in you know a ministry at the church whether it's a small group or an usher or whatever oh, i see i see um and then giving they're you know actually tithing so their their financial you know history is tracked so they're sort of putting well. categories on people right in the database. Yeah, they're dropping these people into these different categories and saying, you know, here's what their habits and behaviors are like at the church. Um, okay, okay over I'm, I'm really curious about the categories for a second, but let me ask a basic question first. How do they know what people are attend- actually attending? Like, yeah. like, how are they tracking that? Yeah, so uh, they are tracking that through um, through apps that the, that the church leaders have. And the church leaders... Uh, can register that this person was at this event if they saw them there. Oh, I see. Um, and then I think also they That's might sort of weird. they might use an old school like paper system, um, and and people just are checking their name off, and then someone is just kind of doing the data entry, you know, after the event. Okay, right, right, right. Um, I know at a church at my uh, last church I was at, I was a small group leader for a while, mm-hmm. and they had one of these systems. And they went at small group, like on on Wednesday nights, they wanted us to like jump into the app and just mark as a small group leader, like just check. There was a list already, you know, like of the, you know, 12 people in the small group. And they wanted me to go down and just check real quick who was there each week, which I would forget to do most of the time. But but actually that was a kind of attendance, I'm sure exactly, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, these churches are trying to figure out how can we keep people uh, in our church and if, if they're dropping off, how can we recognize that they're missing? Because, um, you know, these churches are so big now that they're trying to find ways to make up for sort of that that invisibility that happens uh, for a lot of people who kind of maybe drift in and then drift out. Um, you know, they come in the front door and they go out the back door. So last, uh, Bash just makes, <laughs> back on the attendance thing. Yeah. Season, we talked about, um, that Churchix facial recognition software. Yeah, 
Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. It feels like a long time ago, but it was like, it was like cameras in a sanctuary or something that for larger churches that couldn't manually check off somebody, it could potentially detect everyone in the room. Can this kind of thing connect to this kind of software? I mean, I suppose theoretically it could if, if they wanted to buy sort of this software company or that there might be an integration opportunity there. And that's, which is crazy. Um, and for a large church, you would need that, right? As opposed to a person manually yeah, clicking. Yeah. Or like there's this other, or <laughs> you and I were just talking earlier today about this other potential new method. I don't think we've ever heard of a church using this. <clears throat> right. But like um, of the cell phone trackers, essentially like things that track, you know, your phone is obviously giving off sort of little individual pings right. on a regular basis. They're anonymous in some senses, yeah. but there's also ways that you can talk to a phone and ask, whose phone are you? And it yeah. comes back to sort of tell you that, right? Yeah, yeah okay. it's called a cell site simulator. And police police uh, departments are actually using it in larger urban areas at large events. Um, and it's it's just identifying what cell phones are in the area, and those cell phones are connecting to what they think is a cell phone tower, right? Which yeah. is crazy because because cops and, and, sometimes would have to get a warrant to actually ask you know Sprint or Verizon right. for everyone that's connecting to a tower in an area, but they can also use these cell phone simulators and actually find out everyone within a zone, right? right. Like instantly, right. like get a thousand phones, right, right, right. suddenly just register them. Oh, everyone's in this park at once. Yeah, so theoretically, a church could have a cell site simulator on campus and all the cell phones that come within range would right. register as having attended on a Sunday morning. See, that's, I mean, it could be convenient. I mean, Willow, Cre- super Willow Creek could be ca- counting all their people <laughs> at once, you know, Saddleback, whatever. Yeah, right. very easily on a Sunday morning between 8 and noon, all the cell phones that come within range would register as, you know, locating these people are attending. So suddenly, you know, your account could be tied to a certain cell phone number or Id- identification number. Yeah, it's... It, so... But, I, th- so I, I think this think is fascinating. This? I, th- I think it's a super fascinating question. A church tracking you almost as much, I mean, I think at the open of the show, you said as much as Facebook is, but in some ways it could be like that. Like I know where, what do you, whether you attended church this Sunday. I know whether you went to small group. I know whether your kids were checked into so-and-so, but it could mm-hmm. be other things, right? Could it be giving? I know how much you give to the church. Yeah. Uh, I know whether you talk to a counselor or a pastor yeah. at the church yeah. recently. Yeah. And maybe, even a topic? I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. You were I, just telling me that you want to, you're thinking about asking your church if they would give you your record yeah. to see what kind of data they have on you. Exactly. So my, I, I, so I asked these guys at the, at the event, I said, I think my church uses your software and they're like, Oh, what's, oh wow. The same one. What's, what's nice. the name of your soft uh, right, of your right. church? And I was, I gave them the name and they right there, on site, looked it up. They're like, "Yep, it, it, they they use your oh, they wow. use our software." So you're gonna get your record. So I'm I'm totally tempted to like go to my one of the pastors that I know and say, "Hey, can you just give me a download of all the data points that you have on me as an attendee at our church, and just to find out like what does that look like?" And I think it would be worth you know other listeners to even sort of explore that. And if you do. I want you guys to email us and let us know. Yeah, you the, should. I would totally be interested to hear what what data you get and sort of just even just your reaction to it. What do you think about it? How do you feel about it? 
And I'd love to hear. See, and that's, I mean, you're at a, a larger church and so they, you know, really it'd be interesting for you to know what data, I'm at a small church plan, a pastor um, connected with those, but like we don't, we don't have one of those. I know we're not even using one of those yeah. softwares yet, yeah. but we probably would need to. So yeah. that, I mean, so and what I'm curious about is what category you'd be located in. Cause to go back to what you were talking about before. What category? Well, you're talking about these categories that they use for yeah, people. Yeah. Um, connected, attending, serving, giving. And like these are almost like increasing levels of like commitment or something. Yeah. Right? Like they're yeah. Like, and and they definitely um termed it or they framed it in terms of discipleship. Hmm. And and it really caused me to start asking like Okay, what is discipleship in this context? Like and discipleship meaning like saying that these things what, are measures of how you're a disciple? Yeah, they're metrics of how committed of a Christian are you? Yeah, like, right. Are you growing spiritually? And you know, you're cuz it, it's there's this sort of arc, right? So connected is just like really loose, but giving money and and tithing is like this deep commitment. And so it's it's moving kind of from from loose to really close, and saying okay, if if a person is giving, then they're really committed, right, and theoretically right. they're like growing spiritually, or they're just a strong disciple, or whatever that means. Right. But you know, for me, I'm asking this question of like connected, attending, serving, giving. Are these the metrics that we want to use? Are these the metrics that churches and pastors should be using to think about what discipleship looks like for their congregation? Well, I can, I mean, I can see some of it. Like, obviously, you know, if someone's attending something, if someone's at church mm-hmm. on a regular basis, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a legitimate concern if someone's like stopping being in worship, you know, on a right. regular basis and essentially not attending. And you think, like, well, maybe, yeah, there's something happening or they're not. Yeah, you sort of a assume a fully devoted there. disciple is is regularly there. Mm-hmm. I can see like serving being something, um, like you know, someone like volunteering is someone um, anything from like simple taking care of the kids to like doing worship to leading a small group, like those things, like things that someone that's yeah. a disciple would be doing. Yeah, and someone giving, yeah, we we say sort of giving to the church is an important part of giving back, tithing. So. Yeah, what, what's wrong with those metrics? Uh, I'm not saying it, there's anything wrong with those metrics. Um, but what I'm ask, what I'm curious to know is, I mean, I think a lot of people could be serving and also be facing burnout. Yeah, and wow, and wow, in that right, context, right. like, are they being discipled uh, toward a deeper relationship with Jesus if they're right. encountering burnout and they're but they're continuing to serve, you know? How do we how do we account for that? How does the church account for that? How do pastors account for that? Um, yeah, how does way, the database account for how that? How does the database <laughs> account for that? Um, and and you know that really sort of uh, extends into this question of pastoral care. So if the database is failing to account for that or is accounting for that, say let's say the church let's say the church database software does account for burnout. Does that mean? What's the responsibility of the pastor then to sort of respond to that? Like, does the pastor sort of offload that responsibility into the church software and say, well, I don't actually need to worry about people getting burned out because the software is going to identify it. Oh, that's fascinating. I don't, no, you're not saying it does track that, but if we could create data if we that could. does, yeah. 
maybe someone has a one to 10 score once a month, their app pops up and says, how burnt out are you feeling? And so on, <laughs> people just report it. Yeah. Um, and then it's in the database. You're saying that could actually start like replacing pastoral care? Yeah. So, and it, it, it raises for me that question of what's the responsibility of the pastor to be in tune with the, um, the emotional, spiritual, relational status of their congregation is it through conversation and you know a cup of coffee or is it by looking at the report that they get every monday you know based on the software's output it, i mean this is a fascinating paradox about data right because I mean, yeah, I want to believe that a pastor is having deep conversations with all their people and really caring for them and right. knowing where they're at. But the reality that I see is that, you know, one, a lot of pastors actually don't do that work. They see the pastoral job as like a lot of times preaching and then managing the church organization. Yeah. No, you know, I have some opinions on that. <laughs> that really says we need more pastors to be doing the work of shepherding and evangelism and some of the things that have sometimes gotten more lost. But also there's a limitation of real time or like a pastor could only know so many more people. And as part of me goes, huh, it could be helpful to right. pastoral care to have an actual sort of set of data of some kind right. where where suddenly they see three people pop up on a little dashboard right. that says, hey, these three people have reported, um, and this is going to sound, I think this feels weird privacy-wise to us, but these three people have reported their marriage just feels like it's in trouble. Right, right. And yeah. suddenly you focus on that when you might not have known that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know and I think about that, but it's just true. The data could augment that. Yeah. And I think there are, there are financial considerations. Like a church can opt into this software and it will save them time. It'll save them money uh, in terms of if you have a person whose responsibility it is to kind of be aware of and tracking these uh, sort of um, ebbs and flows to people's spiritual lives. Like if you can substitute a software system to do that, you're probably going to save money that way. And like churches are are constantly facing budget shortages. So could this be saving them money and empowering fewer pastors to do more work and and cover a, a larger field of people? Wow, you're making the whole technology is making us more efficient so we can sort of not hire quite as many people argument. In pastoral care, are not factories. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so a pastor who could cover 150 people, you know, without the software, is now able to cover 250 people with the software. So, what I'm curious about is these, these the way that the software does label people, whether it's pastoral care or discipleship. Like these labels, I mean, these labels are sort of an algorithm, right? Isn't there some, there's some sort of formula that's saying, obviously attending makes sense, like someone's showing up or not. Uh-huh. But I mean, you could def- start defining other uh, labels for people, sort of de- deciding, you know, describing where you think they're at. Um, it reminds me of the, like, the MIT Technology Review had an article really recently this year on, um, it was about data rights. Like, how do we get defined by data? Not for churches, of course, but by companies. Right. There's ones that they but had this, this is a corporation that's that's providing this service to yeah, churches. Yeah, that's so true. It's relevant. That's true. So, <coughs> so 
So this article was called the Bill of Data Rights by the Technology Review, and it starts with this. It starts opens with the story of this woman named Rachel. It says, "It uh-huh. says, I just gonna read this here." It says, "Rachel is broke. She's sitting in a bar one evening and a browsing job ads on her phone, and she gets a text message." Researchers doing a study on liver function have gotten her name from the bar's loyalty program. She'd signed up last week to get a happy hour discount on nachos. They're offering a $50 a week study to access, uh, $50 a week to her to access her phone's health data stream and her bar tab for the next three months. Fascinating. At first, Rachel is annoyed at the intrusion, but she needs the money. So she nods at her phone, a subtle but distinct gesture of assent as a legally binding signature, and she goes back to her nachos and her job search. But as the summer wears on, Rachel can't help noticing that she's getting rejection after rejection from employers. Whoa. While her friends, one by one, seem to be getting jobs. Unbeknownst to her, and she didn't read the fine print, some data from the research study, along with her liquor purchase history, has made it to one of the two employment agencies that have come to dominate the market. Every employer who screens her application with that agency now sees a data profile tag that says depressed unreliable. Huh. That's the tag. No wonder she can't get work. Wow. Wow. Whoa, fascinating, right? Yeah. So like a data profile about her. And this was, you know, at a bar, they're sort of looking at what she drank. And then and then also winds up adding a label describing what kind of person she is in the system. Yeah. And suddenly that affected her ability to get a job. Whoa. So like this, what what is it like if the church tracking software gets a little bit more smart and it doesn't just have, it's an attender or not attender, but it has descriptions of, yeah. you know, like faithful evangelist or, you know, cheating uh, so-and-so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Depressed, like unreliable. <laughs> or depressed, unreliable. Yeah. This person has visited a pastoral counselor yeah. 17 times. Yeah. Uh, that what does that say about who the church is and how the database interacts with how we sort of take care of people? Mm-hmm. Fascinating, huh? Yeah the 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 ethics of tracking behavior of church attendees um, is a question that I think pastors are pastors using this sort of um, database software are going to have to wrestle with they have to think through the implications of categorizing their congregation in these broad sweeping terms and responding to those broad sweeping categories um, as pastors um, doing pastoral care uh, and responding to these these big events and 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 self-reported, if it's if it is the case, sure. Um, and and even asking like, is this data reliable? Are we getting enough data about attendance? Are we getting enough data um, about this event or that event to even like? If I didn't check the box, or if if you know my church uh, small group leader you know failed to account for me being there, like all of a sudden you know, so th- th- there's a data reliability question. Um, and there's an algorithm reliability question because as we get smarter than that, right? And we're talking about these sort of more complex labels, right? It's we're making inferences, and that's back to the MIT article about the way organizations use data. That's the trend now, right? It's not just the literal did they buy a drink. It's what's the conclusion we have yeah. from the fact that they bought a drink. It's not literally that they attended or their kid attended a thing. It's what the conclusion we have about them. And the point was that hey, there's going to be data. 
about us out there where our rights could start to get violated or where things get really confusing is in the alg- the way the algorithm labels us. Mm-hmm. And the algorithms are not bias-free because people have certain views of it. And so they program the algorithm. And yeah, the computer is calculating it. It's not individually being calculated. Usually it's looking at a set of data. But someone is saying, hey, if you take this factor and this factor and this factor, put them together, that's probably a depressed, unreliable. Right. And the church has a real ethical, I think there's a trajectory here. We don't have the software. The software is not doing that yet, you're saying. Not yet. But it seems so close. And there's a fascinating ethical dilemma about how a church could both be better at caring for people and worse at labeling people in a way Mm -hmm. that makes people sort of scared to sort of tell the church what's truly about them. So that reminds me of a story uh, from when I was growing up. Uh, My parents had decided that we were going to switch churches um, and we were at a church of maybe like 300 or something like that. And uh, we'd been there for uh, maybe two years. And um, before uh, we we left, my dad actually uh, made an appointment and, and met with the pastor and just sort of laid out the reasons that um, – that they were deciding to to leave and go to another church, mm. and um, as far as I know, like our family, we left on good terms and uh, are still, you know, on good terms with that with uh, that right. church and right. and those yeah. people. And but my my dad was kind of in this place where, um, rather than just like drifting away from the church or going out the back door, my dad felt like he needed to say goodbye. Yeah, right. And it wasn't it wasn't just about like being an anonymous person and not having sort of any relational equity, but like actually respecting the pastor enough to say, "Hey, this is these are the reasons and um we want to leave on good terms and and so this is how we're how we're leaving." Um and I wonder about this software and the direction that it's going and even where it came out of, you know, it came out of uh, a church trying to keep track of all of its people. And it, it, there's an assumption almost of anonymity and this idea of the back door um, assumes like we don't know people are disappearing because we don't know the people. Wow. That's really powerful. This whole idea of even just, Oh, we're going to move on for churches because either God's calling us or there's a good reason but saying goodbye. Yeah. Like this software seems to presuppose a kind of church, like a mega church or just a way of thinking about church mm-hmm. yeah. where it's not as relational as of course you would say goodbye. Of course you would. Yeah. It would know that you've gone yeah. and, and why, or even have worked that out with you. Maybe. Yeah. When it's relational, you, you say goodbye because that's the kind thing to do. It's the polite thing to do. It's the expected thing to do. And you know, this, uh, this software services, all sizes of churches. I mean, you know, churches of 10,000 and I think churches of 500. Right, right. Um, so it's not like uh, it's necessarily tailor-made for a large church, but I think the large church sort of presupposes a lot of this and and is sort of the basis for needing this sort of church tracking software. I think size is a huge thing about this stuff. 
It I mean, does. I mean, you know, and I don't have the stat in front of me, but I think the average church in America is something like less than a hundred, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there are the big churches out there, but there's many right. small churches, right? And it's sort of the idea of like how much quote unquote data do I have? Like we have a new church plant in our neighborhood, and really there's only there's about thirty of us, and we're just getting going. Yeah, and um. I can turn around and tell you data, quote unquote, about <laughs> almost everybody. Right. Just to, if I if I took you with us to worship, I would just point to everyone. I tell you their name, right? Their job, right? Um, who their family members were, right? Um, I can't tell you their giving. We don't like talk about that directly, <laughs> but we maybe maybe we would in small group or talk about what we're mm-hmm. giving, right? Um, the quote unquote data I know is just because I know the people, right? And the way a database sort of shapes us in an invisible way is it almost assumes that we don't know the people. Right. Yeah. Data is sort of information without relationship almost. Yeah, right. You know, it's, it's reflecting the relationship. It's, it's articulating the relationship. It's measuring uh, the relationship, but it's not necessarily the relationship. You know, one thing that you've said to me a number of times as we think about different technologies is is how do we think about you know the ethical trajectory of a technology, right. is, whether it's something is a vice or a virtue, right? And is it one thing is like is it shaping us towards being like Jesus? Is it shaping us towards being the people of God in the yeah. church? Yeah. Uh, and the question is like, yeah, is the the data divorced from relationship? Is data push us more towards being the people of God in relationship, or does it divorce us from sort of that trajectory? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is sort of the dividing line between the vice and the virtue of the software, of the technologies we're using. Are they taking us closer to Jesus and being more like Jesus, or are they uh, taking us away from being the people of God? How are they shaping us? And I don't think it's obvious. I'm not being all Sunday school about this in the sense that like, oh, a database is automatically not shaping us. I mean, I'll be honest, I've done like, been a pastor or been in ministry for lots of years, sometimes when I've met with someone and talked with them about their spiritual, emotional life, I like will leave that thing and actually write down some notes. Yeah. Some things they said to me, very private, just for me, right? Absolutely. But I don't want to, but some of the things they said to me were important. I don't want to forget. And I get to talk to a lot of people. So I'm yeah. using a piece and I use Evernote on my phone. So I'm using almost like a little personal database yeah, of yeah. some things that people have said. So I can, but in order for me to care for that person more effectively, especially mm-hmm. if I see them weeks later, um, sometimes I'll even glance back at that to refresh my memory. Sure. So it's sure. not like I'm replacing my relationship with them, but I am using the database, quote unquote, to extend my ability to care for them. Yeah. I feel like if a church can do that on a large scale basis with a church database, that might be shaping us towards caring and loving for each other and shaping us doing better job. Yeah. But if if a pastor is sort of stepping back and just getting a report on Monday morning about you know, the church trends from the past week or, mm, you know, mm-hmm. was this number bigger than that number or smaller than that number and making decisions sort of in mass about the data based on the data and what it's, what it's supposedly reflecting, then that's sort of divorcing pastors from the work of pastoral care and from the people that they are being called to care for. A lot of this technology pushes our sort of practical ecclesiology, our practical definition of the church. Is a church a family or is church an organization? Mm-hmm. I think that's a deep question that I think we've been wrestling with now for 50 years. Right. And some of the tech questions, the tech is new, but it's bringing out 
yeah. some of these questions that have been that have been there. So, well, Adam, I feel like we've been talking about through this for a while. We're talking about whether we think this is a vice or virtue. So it is time now for vice or virtue. All right, hit me. Electric scooters. <laughs> Vice or or virtue. Uh, Are they shaping us into the people of God? (laughs) That's true. Are they they moving us toward God? Do they cost a dollar with 15 cents a minute? (laughs) I mean, they are moving us. I have to say that. And so I'm going to say- place to place. Yeah. And do I have to walk as much? No. Yes. I'm going to say, I'm going to say they are a virtue. They are, they are moving us towards the kingdom of God. Oh gosh. Well, here's the thing. I've used them in three cities now. Loved it in DC. Loved the wind whipping through my hair and getting to see sort of the Capitol Dome down Whoa. as I was doing it. And I was, but uh, you know what I hated about it? What? My heartbeat was perfectly still. I got no workout from it. Mm. I love riding my bike around the city. You didn't it was really not shaping sweat? me. No, it wasn't shaping me at all. It was removing my <laughs> human functioning and it, divorcing it into a technology. So I think it's a vice. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You do have more experience. I just watched them go by in Atlanta, so I didn't use them. I don't really believe it. I'm probably going to use them. I'm not going to lie. But oh, yeah. For well, sure. I am uh, Come glad. to Chicago, please. Uh, thank you for uh, bringing up the topic of church tracking software. Absolutely. I think we're all going to go back to our churches now and ask, are we being tracked? Yes. And if you do, <laughs> email us and tell us. We want to hear Yeah, that's it. true. Uh, and I love uh, getting together with you, Adam. Let's do it again. Uh, see you next time. See you next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.